My name is Mary Martin, and I'm a director of an apostolate called Unleash the Gospel at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully witness to Christ and live the gospel in the workplace. The purpose of Unleash the Gospel at Work Innovation podcast is to invite leaders from around the country to share their story about how they found innovative ways to share their faith in their workplaces. Today we're blessed to have Bishop Gerard Battersby, the Auxiliary Bishop for the South Region here in the Archdiocese of Detroit with us on our UTG at Work Innovation Podcast. Hi, Bishop Battersby. How you doing, Mary? It's great to be with you. Great. Well, we're excited to get the podcast rolling. First, I'd like to take a moment and just have our us quiet our minds and open our hearts to hear all that God has for us. So let's just pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to just come before you, Lord. We're just grateful for all your your blessings, all your care for us, your provision for us. Lord, we just ask that this podcast touch the minds and hearts of those who listen, give them encouragement and hope in sharing Jesus in their workplace. Just ask that the words of Bishop Battersby be inspiring and um, just help us herald the good news, especially at work. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All righty. So I have a formal introduction about you and um, didn't know this, but you were a twin and... um, Went to, uh, grew up in Northwest Detroit, attended St. Benedict Parish and School in Highland Park, and then um, ordained as a priest in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, Worked in parish ministry for 10 years, um, called to the seminary to uh, um, be a director there and help form priests, and at the same time, helping with... um, St. Leo's Parish in Detroit. I know many people, that's very dear to their heart. And then now you are an auxiliary bishop for us. So thank you, thank you. Um, Tell me a little bit about, all of those things are wonderful and we're grateful for that. Uh, Just tell me a little bit about your faith journey, about how you came to know Jesus, how uh, that call was on your life, and, uh, and you really just stepped that out. You know, I grew up in a typical Catholic family and uh, celebrating the sacraments, uh, going to Mass every Sunday. Our local parish, St. Benedict's, was the center of our social life. Um, So it was was all very very normal for a Catholic boy or girl in the the 60s and 70s. Um, What happened to me is I went to... uh, um, seek a degree in biology and um, got a gr- degree from Wayne State University with the idea of going to medical school. Um, my first go around, they didn't think the medical school admissions didn't think it was a great idea that I, I, I do that. So I began working on a, um, a master's in physiology at Wayne State as well. And in that, during that period, I uh, I was in a, a pretty difficult car accident, 
And and so I had about six weeks laid up and uh, plenty of time to begin contemplating my future. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized that it wasn't the direction I was going in. And so I stepped away from that. And uh, during this time, I began... Um, I began. I began to read scripture, wow. and I began to um, take my faith more seriously. and uh, And it was during that time that uh, that God became very real to me, mm-hmm. and that He had a plan for my life. Wow. And um, and so it was yeah, during my early to mid twenties that that actually happened. Um, I didn't go into the seminary until I was um, 33 years old. So it it took me about 14 years to really make that journey. Wow, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you had lots of time. Uh, You know, God never lets go of us when there's a plan. Oh, my. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, So I'm sure during that time that there were. Lots of opportunity for you, especially as a young man kind of making his faith more central to his life, uh, to share your faith. So tell me a little bit about how you came to just be able to talk more freely, more openly about your faith with other people. Well, as as my faith journey developed, I was, of course, dating and doing all the normal things that, that people do. And I began to see that there was a parallel between falling in love in a human way and falling in love with God. Mm-hmm. And as you got, as I got to know Him better, um, I began to see, really, truly, how wonderful He He is. And um, I began to see and feel that I actually wanted to spend my life in his friendship, in his companionship. And if I was going to do that, I wanted to do it in a a more profound way. I knew the Lord wanted me to be a priest from the time I was 19 years old, but I didn't want to be a priest. Uh And and I realized he can wait out anybody. (laughs) He can wait out anybody, and he doesn't get tired. Um, And so I I got tired of fighting. (laughs) And uh, and it was the most wonderful thing that I ever had. Amen. Amen. Did he bring uh, other good Catholics, other good people into your life to during that time to just sort of help you along? You know, I, I took a uh, I took a theology course at Shrine at the beginning, and uh, um, there are some wonderful people in that class that. Uh, there was a the, a teacher of that class, Chuck Drapieski, and he uh, he he was he was one of those lights that I used, and the people in the class. Um, I, I'm a bit of a loner, so I it was a, kind of a solitary journey in many ways. But he fe- he helped you find community. He did. Mm-hmm. He did. And I think that's one of the the things we forget even with UTG at work focused on, you know, sharing our faith in the workplace, that there are other Christians. There are other people who are believers of God around us. But sometimes we're all just a little bit isolated. We all just sort of hold back and kind of keep to ourselves. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And sometimes that's, uh, you know, a little bit of a nudge. Somebody's got to go first. So this Chuck, you know, who right. taught the theology class, he went first. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I, things that my, my parents and grandparents, my grandparents lived with us, and they were devout souls, things they would say. And uh, they, they would ask, my grandmother would ask me a question. She said, you know, son, you're going to be a priest one day. And I used to tell her, Grandma, stop saying that. <laughs> stop saying that blessing over me. Stop that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't want to be blessed like that. Lord have mercy. That's but right. uh, it, it, So they, they planted that seed, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they saw things I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. Or wasn't prepared, or wasn't ready to see. Sure, you yeah, know. and you know that hound of heaven. Yes, he just waits us out. Yes, he really does. Amen. Praise God. So, um, so one of the things that we're trying to do, especially with this podcast, is just give people who are in the workplace ideas, suggestions, maybe opportunities. Uh, to to just take a little step, say something, invite, especially people in their workplace. And as we come into Advent, I just really feel like there's great opportunity for that. I mean, certainly Our Lady, right? <laughs> but but preparing for the birth of Christ and and just the richness of this liturgical year. Do you have any suggestions, thoughts, ideas for especially people who work? Well. Advent, Advent's a time of drawing near. It's, it's a time of light. It's a time to do what is the very fundamental dynamic of discipleship, and that is to repent and believe. And um, so, so our preparation should be both interior and exterior, mm-hmm. okay? And interiorly, one of the things that we should do which will make our life so much easier and so much, so much more enjoyable, is we should begin to evaluate everything in our lives as to whether it pleases or displeases the Lord. Mm-hmm. Not in some theoretical pr- place, but as a living person mm-hmm. whom you are in relationship with. Remember, he is yours. And you are his. And so there's a unity with the Lord that is so profound that not considering what his desires are, not considering what what he truly wants, um, is is absurd. Mm. It's like closing your eyes and not wanting to see reality. I I was asked to do something I did not want to do. Um, some years ago, probably 10 years ago. I just simply didn't want to do it. I promised I'd do it, and when it got closer and closer, I began dreading it. And it was, it was a social engagement. It was nothing profound, but, um, but I'm a bit of an introvert, and so that, it, 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 I wasn't sure. looking forward to it. And so the day of the event, I was for some reason so adverse to going that I, you know, I went through the list of what excuse can I use to get out of this. <laughs> wow. um, and of course, at the end of the day, I could find none that was legitimate. Right. And, um, 
as I was walking down the hall to my office, it was an inspiration from heaven. I said, you don't want to go, but did you ever ask Jesus if he wants to go? And so I did ask Jesus if he wanted to go. Turns out he did want to go. <laughs> Hello. And all of a sudden, an onerous burden became a delight. Wow. And I wanted to go because I wanted to please Jesus. And you see, that's one of the things we should begin to practice. Mm. And maybe this Advent, that's a good thing, a good practice, interior practice, to take up. Yeah. And that is, what's your desire here in this meeting, in this event, in this task that I've been given? What's your desire, Jesus? What, what outcome are you looking for? Because I want to do something here that pleases you, and I don't want to do something that displeases you. So that interior preparation then can be a great prep preparation for Advent. Now, one of the things I was thinking exteriorly that one could do is um, I was thinking about the church's tradition of Advent. We have such beautiful traditions. We do. You know, oh, yeah. um, that, that, it, that it's, it's really very stunning. But probably since the 7th century and likely before, the church has, has made a practice of singing antiphons throughout Advent as they prepare with each Sunday of Advent. And a lot of people know them by the name of the O Antiphons. Okay. And uh, what, I, what I was thinking about, how beautiful they are, they're really about Israel's preparation mm -hmm. for the Messiah and uh, that Israel's anticipation of the Messiah and, and her hopes. And so it's about all of our anticipation right. of the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah, the, the promised one, the Holy One of God, the, the, the man, of, the righteous one. Right. And so what I, I thought either, either in your cubicle or on your phone or your laptop or um, some other subtle way, go through Advent putting a banner up of one of those antiphons because People are going to ask you, what does O wisdom mean? What does O leader of the, uh, the, the a leader of the law, root of Jesse, O uh, uh, key of David? You know, what right. do they mean? What what is what is being said? What are you trying to say here? And it will open up that conversation, and it'll be a conversation you can have with with people across the board, not just Christians, right. but Jews mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, and Muslims. Right, yeah. You know, uh, you can have it with people of, of all persuasions, but it'll get the conversation going. And you may not think it's very important now, but six months later when they're having a crisis, they know, wait a minute, marry someone I can talk to. Right. Or, you know, marry someone who will pray with me or, you know, right. or, or one of those things. And then you don't know where it's going to lead. Right. And they're going to come back to you. Like they're going to come just, back. Just that, that openness and knowing that you're encouraging, that you're, you're willing to listen. I think those are really important things. And then, like you said, you're planting the seeds. And it's an 
easy way. You know, it's not like you have to know the catechism front to back, although it's wonderful if you do. (laughs) But all of those things can really build the relationship. And then, you know, when people need something or even when they're, they're struggling to make a decision, right? You can, you can be there and walk with them and accompany them through things. And you know, the, the world tramples our heart. Mm-hmm. And to know that there's someone around us who will hold the sacredness of our hearts mm-hmm. in care, that's a richness that uh, is, is hard to describe. Especially at work. Like, especially to think about, like, the very last place, you know, most of the time people are like, don't, you know, we don't want to see that. We don't want to hear that here. We don't want to talk about that. But, you know, to to know that there is sacred space, almost like you said, you're kind of taking it back for Jesus. (laughs) Like, there's these little pieces, even if it's a a task at work that you don't want to do or a meeting you have to have or a project you have to leave, lead, uh, you, you, you can ask him to show you like what light he wants to bring what's the creativity what's the the innovative way you're going to answer something what's the extended time you're going to give someone to finish something whatever it is you can be that light bearer but do you see what we're saying we're saying that at this advent you must be not only in relationship with jesus but with those around you with your coworkers, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and it's about tending to those relationships with love. It is, it is, and for some of us, you know, we have to spend a little bit more time in quiet to fill our own hearts exactly with love. And Advent is beautiful. Like there's so much, like the uh, the art is beautiful, the music is beautiful. We have lots of beautiful events at churches. There's all kinds of. There's books written. There's prayers. It's so rich that we can fill ourselves, and we can invite other people into that. Right. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Oh well. So tell me something. Um, a lot of things that we talk about here on the Innovation Podcast, we try to tie back to the six good habits in Unleash the Gospel. Yes. And one of them is an attitude of gratitude. Ah, uh, yes. So tell me a little bit, tell me something you're grateful for. You know, I, I, I could spend all day telling you what I'm grateful for. Amen. Um, mm-hmm. Undeservedly, the Lord has been so ki- kind to me. And, uh, but I, I, I was, I think one of our biggest problems in the world today is both fear and loneliness. Mm. And one of the things I'm grateful for is I don't have to live in fear. Amen. I never have to live in fear. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I live with the truth that my, my Jesus is Lord, that he's risen, and that I'm his witness. I'm his ambassador, and, and I don't have to be afraid. You know, and when I see people, whether they're driving and careening in and out of lanes or as, people are not at peace. And so to to be able to live um, without fear is just an extraordinary gift. And it's unusual. Like, you actually look (laughs) countercultural when you live without fear. Yeah. You really do. People are thinking, you're kind of a little nutty, really. (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess we're in good company together. That's I don't know. Right. We're both a little nutty. Listen, people who are in love, well, they get they get a little nutty, you know? I mean, it's true. You're, you're so enraptured with the beloved that, uh, that you don't care if you're a little silly. That's right. That's yeah. right. You're willing to take that risk. That's right. So we've talked a little bit about Advent, which is uh, beautiful and uh, just such... So I'm a convert to the faith. So for me, the liturgical year is something that is uh, was very attractive to come in to know that there's certain times that we're really focused on different different things. That's very uh, was part of my journey. So do you have or did you have any traditions growing up as a child or you know even into your adulthood? Uh, around Christmas or celebrating or was there anything that you did that you know maybe as a wee one and then later on in your life you kind of brought it back was there anything that that really uh, made you uh, settle into the spiritual part of Christmas not just the gifts not just you know um, but were there any traditions in your home do you know uh, I I miss the fact that probably in October, my mother and my grandmother would get together and make the plum pudding for oh. for Christmas dinner, and so they'd boil the the plum pudding and then they'd they'd put them away in the pantry and then they would have time to to cure, I guess, dry and cure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those those are some of the habits. I have to say, in our home, um, Christmas wasn't. Um, quite as uh, bombastic mm-hmm. as it is mm-hmm. now in so okay. many homes. We put up a, cre- a tree on, on Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. Uh, usually my mother waited until the, the tree lot across the street had uh, a discount on, on, sure, the, on the trees. Okay. <laughs> so that, that, that was usually, uh, usually what we do. But I, I suppose for us, Midnight Mass was a, mm. was a real... Uh, was a real tradition and uh it's not because it's kind of fallen off in 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 that but it was a it was almost a mystical moment i wouldn't have been able to describe it at that time but looking back on it now i see that that's exactly what it was it was a moment when the veil between heaven and earth thinned and uh and um, so that was probably one of the most profound things. I, I, I can think of two things that just burned into my mind, and this happened around Christmas too, is going to confession with my dad mm. and seeing my father, who was a big man. And he was, of course, like any child, he was, he was godlike to me, you know, sure. um, as my mother was as well. But to see him kneeling in prayer... Um, to see that there was someone over him. It just had a profound effect on me. And the other was coming, it was in those days when ladies wore veils in church, and coming back from communion, I was too young to receive communion, and seeing my mother kneel at the end of the pew, because my dad was helping with the ushering, see my mother kneeling at the end of the pew after having received the Blessed Sacrament, and uh, and praying, mm. those were two of the most. They're they're burned into my heart. 
Yeah. You know, they really are. And they they were events around, of course, all the holidays, Easter and Christmas. Of course. Um, and even throughout the year. Yeah. You know. You just can't go wrong with uh, being a person of prayer and witnessing, you know, and be, and you, they probably didn't even know, right? They, they didn't. were, they were, it was just part of who they were. They didn't. Right. No, so. that's exactly right. They weren't on display. They were, mm-hmm. they were, they were worshiping. Beautiful. Yeah. And they were with the beloved. Right. Yeah, exactly. they were with the beloved. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much. And uh, before we end the innovation podcast, just a quick reminder to our listeners that you can find tools, stories, and resources on our website, U-T-G-A-T-W-O-R-K, utgatwork.org, to help you share your faith in the workplace. You can also sign up to receive our podcasts and follow us on social media. Bishop Battersby, I want to thank you for your words of wisdom and inspiration. I know that it has given me much to ponder, um, especially during Advent this year. So thank you. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Yeah. I wonder if it'd be all right if I I just said something really really quickly. Absolutely. You go ahead. Um, I, I would just like to repeat the truth for each of us that we are Jesus's and Jesus is ours. And that's the fundamental truth we have as Catholics. So never forget that that you have the name to use and to lift up and to glorify in your person. You have the blood at your disposal, the power to transform understanding all things under the gaze of the Father, and you have the cross as your standard to go before you. And so you don't have to be afraid anymore. You can live in the freedom of a son or a daughter of God and have that and want that for all those around you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the blessing of Almighty God descend upon you and remain with you forever, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Bishop. Be sure to visit utgatwork.org, listen to our podcasts, and follow us on social media. Hope you can join us for the next Unleash the Gospel at Work Innovation Podcast and enjoy a profound Advent. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us.